Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey everyone, quick question tonight that relates to the first story. What is your phobia? Whether it be claustrophobia, color phobia, the fear of clowns, uh, me personally, kinophobia. I don't like wide open spaces, long hallways, uh, vast oceans, things like that. I may even have a little tinge of the lassophobia as well. I'm not 100% sure. I don't know if any of these things can actually be diagnosed or not, but I know they definitely make me uncomfortable. Let me know what you are dealing with down in the comment section below. And now, let's get into tonight's stories. Claustrophobia. I'm nearly out of breath as I reach my destination. The fifth floor. Running up and down the stairs on average of ten times a day is getting annoying, but it's part of my job. I've had lots of people ask me the same question. Why not just use the elevator? I'm just really claustrophobic, I say. Occasionally, I'll just throw in a different answer for fun, like I'm trying to lose weight or something like that. But that never captures the whole truth. I honestly don't know why it started with me. There's no one else I've met with the same problem. I don't know if I did something wrong, though as far as I know, I didn't do anything to trigger it. Our house wasn't built on some sort of sacred indigenous burial ground. It wasn't occupied by a satanic cult, and I hadn't bought anything cursed off the dark web. I'm getting ahead of myself. I was eight when it first happened. My bedroom was on the second floor of my home. There was a long hallway leading out of it to a second bathroom, and in the middle were the stairs. The lights were usually turned off at the end of the hallway, so that while I could peer out at it from the open door of my bedroom, if I adjusted my head a little while sleeping, I wouldn't see anything but a curtain of black. One day, that all changed. I just guess that I'm glad that I was walking up the stairs when it happened. I turned around to hop in my bed when I felt it. I turned around. In the darkness, there was something else. A void that consumed even the shadows with even darker shadows. A figure devoid of light. It had the shape of a man and it began to move toward me. I flew down the stairs and nearly tripped, though I was unharmed, thankfully. I cried to my parents about it, but they reassured me that it was nothing but a figment of my mind. For two years, it never happened again. 
I slept in my bed and had nearly forgotten about it. Until it happened again. This time I was in my bed when he began to approach. I'd nearly fallen asleep when the darkness moved, and I got a better look at him this time. He was truly a being of nothing but black. He moved. He was slow, but he moved nonetheless toward me. I jumped out of bed, but he was blocking the entrance to the stairs now. I seriously considered jumping out of the window, and thankfully my screams called my father upstairs, and the man vanished. I told him I just had a nightmare, but I slept in a spare room on the ground floor after that. I always had the window open just in case I needed to jump out. Adulthood came, and with no further interactions with that man, I almost forgot about him. Almost. Two years ago, I was walking down the stairs of the apartment complex I'd moved into after college. I was headed toward the laundromat. We had one in the basement of our building. A few quarters lighter, I was about to go back up to watch some television before coming back around half an hour when my heart nearly froze. I saw him. At the top of the stairs, he was every bit as terrifying as I remembered him. No features. Just a void in the silhouette of a man. He began to come downstairs. I panicked and turned, but there was no way out. Our laundromat was old and didn't have any windows. We were technically underground as it was. I thought I was done for, until I heard voices come from above and the shadow vanished. Thankfully, some other folks had to come down, unlike the other two instances where I saw him. This was in the middle of the day. I've realized two things since then. One... The man never approaches me while there are other people around. Two, that while he is slow, he's always trying to corner me in a place where I can't run. And I just know that the day he catches me, it's going to be all over. Death, or a fate worse than that, awaits me the moment he lays one of his formless hands on me. I was saved twice by other people, but I don't think my luck will last a third time. I have to always make sure that I'm in a crowded area, but as you can imagine, that's not always possible. And so, I have to be vigilant. I need to always make sure there are at least two exits wherever I go. Elevators? Can't count on there always being people in them. And if someone gets off before my floor... Well, what a coincidence. I have to get off on that floor, too. I just don't risk it most of the time. But it's hard to explain all that to somebody you've just met. I'm sure you understand. And so I tell them something, which, now that I think about it, it is true. I'm just claustrophobic. My entire life went to hell after I moved into my first apartment. I was overjoyed when they accepted my bid and I bought an apartment on the top floor. 
It was always my dream to live on a top floor apartment so that I would never have to put up with noisy upstairs neighbors. My family had spent years living under a large family who never stopped stomping around, even at night. It took me about two weeks to get all my stuff moved in as I had collected a lot of things over the years. Most of it wasn't worth anything, but it just had a sentimental value for me. I installed a few bookshelves and filled them with all my favorite authors. My Stephen King collection alone took up over three shelves as I'd been reading his books for years. A week after moving, I threw a party and invited a few of my friends and also invited most of my neighbors. I spared no expense and bought tons of food and drink. I could see the envy on a few of their faces as they walked around the state-of-the-art apartment. A few of my guests stood on the balcony and marveled at the beautiful, picturesque view of the island. Everyone congratulated me, told me that they hoped I'd throw parties like this again. I'd assured them that this was my forever home. They were welcome back at any time. It was about 5 a.m. when the last house guest stumbled out of my apartment. I spent the next few minutes cleaning up the mess before heading to bed as I was exhausted from running around and entertaining my guests all night. I was awoken early the next morning by an explosion that shattered my bedroom window. I dove for cover into the bathroom as there were no windows in there. I hid in there for a couple of hours before finally mustering up the courage to see what was going on. I walked slowly out onto the balcony after throwing on a pair of shoes to protect from the glass. My mouth was hanging open as I gazed out across the island. I could see smoke billowing from a large number of buildings as fires gutted them. I could see many people in other buildings gazing around with the same shocked reactions on their faces. The streets below seemed to be teeming with people as they fled from whatever was happening. I grabbed my binoculars and watched as fights began to break out on the streets as people were fleeing. I almost dropped them as I watched people begin biting each other's throats out. The building shook as another explosion nearby rocked it. I quickly stepped inside and ran to grab the telephone. There was no dial tone, so I placed the phone back on the hook and gazed around at my once pristine apartment. I grabbed a sweeping brush and gathered up all the glass and threw it in the bin. I quickly did an inventory of my food and drink situation and was glad to discover that I had enough supplies for at least a week. I noticed that the light in the fridge wasn't working and discovered to my dismay that the power was gone. I ran over to my phone and realized that I hadn't charged it last night and it only had about 25% battery left. I had to try and use it as little as possible. I heard screams outside my apartment and as quietly as possible walked over to the door. I used a peephole to watch as my neighbor was being attacked by his children who seemed to be biting him. One of my other neighbors opened their door to see what was happening and the children ran at her and began to rip into her flesh. After 30 seconds, the children's father slowly got to his feet and joined them in attacking the woman. I moved away from the door and stared once more out the window. It was getting very dark outside and I was surprised to see that it was almost 7 p.m. My stomach started to rumble to remind me that I haven't eaten anything yet, so I went to the fridge and threw together a simple meal. After finishing the food, I went out and sat on the balcony and watched as the island slowly descended into chaos. There were screams every now and again which were abruptly cut off as something or someone sliced the screamer. 
I used the binoculars and gazed across at other buildings and saw no one alive. I saw one man who had hung himself, and his body still seemed to be twitching. Many of the apartments I could see seemed to have bloodstains. Eventually, I could feel my eyes begin to droop and decided it was time to get some sleep. It took me a long time before I fell asleep, and I woke up a couple of times after having nightmares. The next morning, I awoke as a cold breeze blew through my bedroom due to the missing window. I grabbed my binoculars and used them to try and spot anything, but there was a mist in the air that meant I could only see a short distance. I walked over to the door and looked out, but the hallway looked clear. I went back to the kitchen and grabbed the sharpest knife I could find. I took a couple of deep breaths before turning the handle and stepped outside. The only sound I could hear was the pounding of my own heart. There were bloodstains covering the floor outside my neighbor's apartment where he'd been attacked by his children. I quickly, but quietly, walked down to the end of the hallway past a couple of closed doors. I knelt down on the ground and peeked around the corner. My neighbor lay in a pool of his own blood around the corner with his children lying just beyond. Whatever had killed them was now long gone, so I decided to return to the safety of my apartment. I spent the next few days doing the same routine of gazing out but not seeing anything alive. Slowly but surely, my food supplies began to dwindle. As I gazed down at what was left, I knew it was time to leave. I began to pack up what I thought would be useful. and I made up a holster and slid a couple of knives in case I needed them and grabbed my dad's old baseball bat before heading to the door. The power was out, so that meant the elevators were not working, so I'd have to travel down 13 floors using the stairwell. I looked out the peephole and saw that the coast was clear and pulled open my door. People stopped talking when I walk in, and they were talking about me. It started when I realized people would stop talking when I entered the room. Sounds like a small thing, like it's no thing at all, but I noticed it, and after that I started paying attention. It wasn't that I would enter rooms full of people and everything would be silent. People were, technically speaking, still talking to each other. I'd go into a store or part of my office or anywhere where there were people gathered, and you'd expect to hear some chatter, and, well, you would hear some chatter, but it was off. I could tell from snippets I'd heard walking up that topics had changed, and from the voices that were now talking more loudly and clearly that secreted murmurs had been replaced with full-throated conversations that were just a little too loud and a little too bright in their banality. It was also the expressions. Part of it was the tension of almost getting caught at something, I think. But more than that was a sense of satisfaction at not getting caught. Of knowing things that I didn't, and of also knowing that I suspected things that I could not prove. Feared things that I could not verify. Even if I was able to try and explain it to another person, as I'm doing right now, I would sound paranoid and insane. <sighs> yes, I think they enjoyed dangling me like that. Watching me slowly hang myself 
word and worry at a time. It might have worked if they'd had the patience for it. For a while, I was half convinced that I was crazy. But then they got greedy. Or maybe they knew they couldn't risk leaving her out in the world, infinitely smarter and more credible than me, and acting as though she took what I was saying seriously. Either way, when they took my best friend in the world, when they stole Brooke from me, they gave me something tangible to latch onto, a lens of rage and grief and guilt that focused my terror and self-doubt to a searing point of belief and hatred. For months, I'd listen as they talked about what they would do with me, what they would show me when the time was right. Dozens of mayfly conversations dying in midair as soon as I stepped into view, but from the dozens I got pieces, and over time I developed a terrible mosaic of what was coming for me. There were mentions of giving me the dream, of showing me the door, of stripping away and nearing the beast. That was a common thing. They would often refer to the beast, and I'd heard enough from context over time to gain an understanding that the beast was me. These tidbits made no sense to me at first, but over time a few things became clear. First... The people that talked this way all seemed to be sharing the same ideas and vocabulary, even though they were as varied people I'd worked with for years, other customers at the grocery store, and strangers on the bus. In other words, no one talking about me seemed confused or taken aback by the strange conversations going on around them. Second, I was starting to think more and more that they wanted me to hear bits of it. Why talk in public places at all, if not? Why talk in places where I could just walk in at any time, especially when I was clearly the subject of their strange and sinister plan? And why else did some of them stare and smirk as I walked by, my hands trembling as I tried to ignore their passing glances and knowing smiles? They were growing fat on my misery, is what I think. I tumbled these first two things in my head like rocks being worn smooth through use and repetition, but I would have likely kept them to myself a while longer if not for the third thing that I finally admitted to myself last month. The conversations were becoming slightly more specific and significantly more intense. This was all heading to a point of action, and I was afraid that point was coming soon. I was more than afraid, to be honest. I was terrified. And it was in that terror that I told Brooke about everything, fearful of what she would think and how she would look at me. At every rambling sentence, I paused and cringed inwardly, waiting for her to stop me and ask if this was a stupid joke or if I had somehow gone insane. Instead, she just listened. She listened to everything I've just told you, and then she pondered a moment before asking a question. Do they always talk about you or just sometimes? I looked at her in surprise. She wasn't joking or mocking. She was serious and asking a serious question. Her voice trembling slightly. I nodded dumbly as I spoke. No, not always. Just sometimes. Chewing on her lower lip, she looked up at the ceiling. 
And it's always been the same people doing it, or is it different people? No, it's different people. I told you that. It happens all over the place. At the store, at the office, when I got on the bus sometimes. Lowering her gaze to mine, she shook her head. No, you're not listening to what I'm asking. Like, the people at work, for example. It doesn't always happen when you go into a room at the office, does it? No, just... sometimes. Okay. Now, best you remember, the times it happens at the office is it always the same basic pool of people. In other words, if there's, like, 50 people in your office, is it always the same 10 that are always talking about you and 40 that aren't? Or is it like 40 or 50 and it's just different ones at different times? I swallowed and nodded. Feeling a stir of excitement, I thought I saw what she was getting at. Uh, no, it's like the same eight or nine people, I think. I mean, they're not always all there, but it's consistently the same people, I think. She nodded again. Okay, next part. You said the other places it happens are at the store and on the bus, right? Anywhere else? Shrugging, I felt my face redden. I don't really go anywhere else other than home and here. Brooke smiled at me. Nothing wrong with that. And you always go to the same store and take the same buses, too, don't you? Yeah. Usually, yeah. Well... Anyone at the store or on the bus that you've overheard talking about you more than once? Like someone who always rides the same bus or works at the same store or something? I'd already been thinking about this now, so I was quicker with my answer. Not on the bus that I've noticed, but it happens less frequently there. It's usually just something I hear ahead of me as I'm walking up the aisle to the back row, but at the grocery store, yeah. There's a young guy and an old woman who worked there, and I've heard them talking about that stuff at least twice. Other people too at times, but definitely the two of them. A couple of weeks ago, I came around a corner and they were pretending to restock canned peaches. When I pushed past them, the old woman started laughing and the guy shushed her. I rubbed my face tiredly. I think he was about to laugh too. Brooke leaned forward and rode to my knee. I know this is freaky. I'm freaked out too, but I do believe you. I don't know what it means, but I don't think you're crazy. I felt tears coming to my eyes. I... Thank you. But I just... How do you know? I sound crazy to me. She broke into a brief grin before turning serious again. First off, I think if you were crazy, there wouldn't be this kind of pattern. It would either be really random where everyone was against you, or it'd be very focused on a small group of people you either didn't like or didn't trust. This isn't either of those. It's a lot of people, a lot of whom you don't even know. But there's a level of consistency to it, too. Repeat offenders, if you will. Her eyes suddenly widened. I want you to try something. Okay. For the next week, change your routine as much as you can. Every day, take a different bus or a cab. Instead of eating at work, go to a different restaurant every day that you've never been to. And go to a different store at least twice this week instead of the grocery near your house. Take notes of anything you notice weird. And this time next week, let's see how things stand, okay? I nodded. 
yeah. Okay, yeah. I did as she asked. By Thursday, I was texting her, telling her in all caps that no one was talking about me at the new spots. She texted back that that was great, that she wanted me to come over on Saturday, but before I did, go to lunch on Friday, the same place I'd gone Monday. I thought about asking why, but then I thought better of it. She'd gotten me this far, I should just trust her. When I walked into Jackie's subs, there was a brief hush before people started talking about various things. Their food, their jobs, sports. But as I pushed open the door, a gust of words had moved toward me, trickling into my ear like poison. The beast will take what? Almost time. I looked around at the half-full tables, looking at each person in turn. I didn't know any of them, but more than one of the customers and one of the women behind the counter were looking at me, not like they were alarmed by my strange expression or behavior, but as though they knew me. Knew me and had a funny secret to tell. I spun on my heel and ran outside, making it to my car before vomiting on the pavement next to the driver's door. I climbed inside, locked the door before cranking up and heading not back to the office, but to Brooke's place instead. When I got there, I knew right away something was wrong. The door was ajar, and when I called out to her, I was only greeted with silence. So I went to the police. I just told them that my friend was missing and that I needed their help. To my surprise, they agreed to send someone out right away. I offered to go back with them, but the officer I was speaking with asked me to stay and answer more questions while a patrol unit went by to check out for any evidence of what might have happened. Twenty minutes later, a call came in and the officer had to leave the room. When he came back, he was with two detectives and... The larger of the two detectives snatched the pad away from me with a sneer. Scowling at the paper, he flipped through my account before setting this pad down hard and sliding it back to me. So this, this crazy bullshit, this is your statement. This is your excuse for what you've done. I stared at him trembling. You won't. Tell me what you think I've done. You just started yelling at me, demanding I tell you what happened, that I write it all down. I gestured feebly toward the pad. So I was. The other detective waved the big one back down into his chair. Look, I haven't read what you wrote, but judging by my partner, it doesn't go down easy. So before I look at it, before I decide that I can't believe a word you say, I'm just going to ask you. How long did you have that girl? I blinked, staring like a guppy from one to the other. Girl? What girl? The big one rubbed at the bridge of his nose. Brooke Zalman, shitstain. She said you had her for over a year, locked up in that place. Does that sound about right to you? Tears welling in my eyes, I let out a gasp. She says... So, so you found her? She, She's okay? The smaller cop frowned at me. We found her, and she's okay, though no thanks to you. She told us about how you abducted her, kept her out at that place under lock and key, would go out and tell her crazy shit. His expression darkened. 
God knows what else you did to that young woman. But thankfully, she was smarter than you. Managed to get the door open and get out. She flagged down the patrol car a mile before they reached the address you gave us. Everything seemed hot and cold at once. The air full of static as I tried to make sense of what they were saying. That's... That's not true. None of that is true. Brooke is my best friend, and I didn't kidnap her or do anything to her. That's all a lie. The big one snorted. (laughs) I'm done with you. Tell you what, your buddy Brooke wanted to see you, confront you. I was against it, but you're handcuffed, and maybe it'll help her get some peace. So you just sit tight. We'll let her try your bullshit on for size. Standing up, he slapped the other one on the shoulder. Go get her. I thought it was another lie, another trick, but no. Less than five minutes later, Brooke was led in and seated across from me. She looked dirty and tired, but otherwise, much like she'd always looked. Beautiful and smart. And my best friend, but when I met her eyes, she looked away. Brooke, what happened to you? Why did you... Why did you tell them all that stuff? She glanced up briefly, then looked down again. You know why? I don't. I swear I don't. What happened to you? I went to find you at the sandwich place. It had been tainted now. They were in there talking when I opened the door. Brooke nodded, rubbing a spot between the curve of her jawline and her ear. You know what that means. I nodded, caught up again for the moment at the mystery and terror of the last few months. Yeah, I think so. It means they can't predict everything. But when I make changes, they adapt. It means they're going out of their way to show me things, let me overhear them. I don't know why, but they are. She started nodding slightly as I went on said it's all real, doesn't it? She chuckled slightly, continuing to nod as she rubbed at the same spot on her face again. I felt my hands going cold as I stared at her. Brooke. Hmm? Why did you say those things about me? None of that's true. Her eyes found mine now, a broad smile on her face. Well, truth is a matter of perspective. But, you're my friend. You're my best friend. Why? The ice in my stomach hardened with a sickening twist. You're not broke, are you? The woman's smile widened even more. She pointed a finger at me before gesturing down to the pad. Best write all this down, too. It's all very entertaining. My voice began to climb as I tried to rise from my chair, only to be stopped by the handcuffs run through the steel loop on the table. What did you do to her? I hissed. Where is she? The woman pursed her lips into a smirk and stood up, making a point of affecting a limp as she grew closer to the door. Officer, I... I can't listen to him anymore. He's crazy. Please let me out. 
She glanced back at me, her eyes twinkling. As she turned, I saw something move between her jaw and ear. It was a patch of skin, rolling away like wallpaper that hadn't taken to the glue quite yet. She caught it in her delicate fingers and smoothed it back into place quickly, but not before I saw the patch of gray scales beneath my dear friend's smooth skin. I started to scream then, prompting the larger detective to stick his head back in, yelling for me to shut the hell up. The thing that looked like Brooke patted his chest placatingly as she passed, murmuring to him like you might calm a horse or a dog. I could only hear part of it, but it was enough. Just a beast after all. And it will all be over soon. <laughs>